Hey folks, welcome to Stone Chiseler Sunday. I'm so glad you're here for chapter two of the Stone Chiseler. I have a question for you. What's your boulder? We've all got one. Some of us have several. But usually there's one that we're chained to that's larger than all the rest. Is it divorce? Is it a child that won't speak to you? Is it unforgiveness? What is your boulder? Is it self-doubt? Is it an addiction that you just can't seem to shake? What is your boulder? Now let me ask you another question. What are you going to do about that boulder? Are you just going to chisel away at it, just hoping that it'll go away? Just deal with it. And day in and day out, just go, it's there. And then you go to sleep, and you get to forget about it for a little while during the unconsciousness that is sleep. But then again, you wake up, and there it is. And you go through life just kind of chiseling at it. Or will you take that boulder and decide to sculpt it? In reality, you're not just sculpting the bad thing. You're sculpting yourself and you're sculpting your life. And that's what Giovanni Cristiani's having to do. He has to make a decision. Is he going to just accept the fate that has been granted him by the royal court and just chisel away aimlessly like his fellow inmates? Or is he in fact going to sculpt his stone? When in reality, he's not sculpting a stone at all. It's sculpting himself no matter what his circumstances, which will you do? I hope that each and every day you will wake up and you will grab your chisel and your hammer and you will decide on that day, I'm not a chiseler, but rather I'm a sculptor. I'm a sculptor of my life. And each and every moment, I'm going to sculpt this moment. I'm not just going to chisel. I'm not just going to accept it. I'm not just going to be tethered to this bad moment that I'm facing. But instead, I'm going to sculpt this moment into something meaningful. I will find the meaning in this moment. And it will be a part of the life that I'm sculpting, no matter how dire. Okay? So with that, enjoy chapter two of The Stone Chiseler. And thank you so much for listening. Chapter two, The Food of Swine. Just before dawn broke, the boy heard the rooster crow. This was nature's way of saying, get up, there's a harvest to gather. However, given the recent year's drought, it meant getting up and helping his father with whatever menial task had been planned for the day. Although the boy was well aware that most of the things to be done were of no consequence, he was delighted to perform them. They gave him reason to be at his father's side, the place the boy cherished more than any other on earth. Days with his father were days of learning. He looked upon his father like a god upon the earth. His father was a strong man. He was mild-tempered, but willing to sharpen his jaw if circumstances required it. He was the boy's lone friend, guide, teacher, and mentor. But above all else, he was his father. The boy loved and admired his father deeply. The feeling was mutual. The man loved the boy more than anything else. His wife had died while giving birth to the young boy leaving him alone to raise him into a man. He took great care in this responsibility, considering it his most worthy task. What should we do today, father? Is there any chance of a harvest by the spring? The father had aged quickly over the past couple of years. The sun had been unrelenting, and the weather gods had been particularly selfish with their rain. 
He always tried to shelter his son from his dire concerns and anxieties. I cannot say, my son, the father replied. I think today we shall go to town to see if we may be able to unearth another strategy for changing our fate. You are deserving of a day in the village. It's good to be around the other townspeople on occasion. The boy didn't care anything about ever leaving their small parcel of land. Although it was owned by the governing authorities, it served as the boy's private little fiefdom. His entire world was there, and he knew not whether he was rich or poor. He only knew it was where he spent his days working the ground with his father. Each animal had a name. His favorite was his horse Leo, short for Leonidas. The man the boy admired second only to his father was the Spartan king, Leonidas. Being a peasant, the man was not formally educated, but he did know a small bit of Latin and could read reasonably well. Although they were too poor to own books, he would gather city announcements from time to time and use them to teach his son to read. Sometimes these lessons took some coaxing to get the boy off Leo. He was concerned his studies may lead to the loss of battle of Thermopylae. The Spartans had already fallen once to Xerxes. Young Giovanni had plans to reconcile this and change history forever. The boy's father was constantly explaining the power of the mind. He taught the boy his mind was as teachable as the ass of the field. Show it how it shall go and act accordingly. He wanted his boy to work as hard with his mind as he did with his back. Though he realized the boy would most likely know only the life of a farmer, he knew the greatest farmer was a thinking farmer. As such, he constantly schooled the boy in Stoic philosophy. Whatever he had learned of Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Aristotle, Zeno, or Epictetus, he tried to instill in the boy. Father, will we pass the yard of the chiselers today? The father, like many others in the village, warned the boy of the stone yards. The boy couldn't fathom an outdoor prison for a passerby to walk through at any time. He had always wanted to see the yard, but his father never took him. I'd rather not, son. But why not? Son, these men are dead with breath still in their lungs. They've lost all hope for love, joy, pleasure, ambition. They are trapped souls tethered to the large stones. They toil day in and day out, chiseling away as though they were freeing themselves from prison yet they are already outside. It's as cruel as a punishment as I can imagine. Daily they watch the other townspeople consuming the freedom they once shared. He thought for a moment. Don't get me wrong, my son. Many of them deserve their punishment. Chained to the stone, holding a chisel and a hammer, is still a body in possession of a soul, albeit a trapped soul. The boy absorbed his father's every word, he processed what he was saying. Then a look came over his face, as if competing thoughts were doing battle between his eyebrows. Father, do not these men still have their mind? The man paused, looked ahead, and then back at the boy. Why, yes, son, of course they do. Well, then don't they, as you have taught me, still have the ability to choose their attitude toward the situation in which they find themselves? Can they not find purpose for where their fate has led them? The man stopped. He knelt down and took the boy by his shoulders. With a slight crack in his voice, he replied, Yes, my son, they most certainly do and most certainly can. 
It was one of those precious moments when a father enjoys confirmation that one of his greatest desires on earth has been granted. His son has listened to his teaching. His son has learned. In this moment, his son was able to teach him something. He was proud beyond measure. The two of them walked on in silence, each with his own thoughts, with the man occasionally looking down at his son and smiling with admiration. They made their way to the village. The boy noticed his father was laden with more worry than normal. As they neared the village, his father's face lost color. His brow sprouted wrinkles. They had not eaten for a couple of days. Although the boy was hungry, he never complained. His stomach, however, was relentless in its grumbling. After one growl in particular, the father looked down with a raised eyebrow and asked, Are you okay, my son? How is your stomach holding? The boy was beginning to feel weak, but he replied as usual, I'm okay, father. Looking toward the village bakery, the man told his son to wait near the watering fountain. He knew his son loved horses, so he enticed him to gaze upon the majestic beasts as they watered in the town square. He told his son he needed to visit with a friend for a moment about purchasing more seed for their fields. Can't I come with you, father? I'd rather you not, son. But why not? The man was tortured. He hated to go anywhere without his son by his side. He thought for a moment, knowing his son would not be easy to fool. He also knew the trust he had built with his son, so he would yield to whatever he told him. Though this suited his plans for the moment, it crushed the man's spirit to be less than honest with his son. Well, you see, Giovanni, this gentleman I'm meeting with has a desperate time hearing. He's rather vain as well. I'd like to spare him the embarrassment of speaking to both of us. You understand, don't you? The boy never doubted anything his father told him. Of course, father. The boy walked over to the village's watering fountain as his father instructed. He enjoyed looking at the horses and trying to guess their names. He would imagine their names, then give them one he thought suited them. He would tell them of his horse, Leo, who was so majestic he was worthy of the name of a king. The father made his way to the bakery, and then proceeded to the back of the small building. The smell was almost unbearable. Not that it was a bad smell, mind you. It was freshly baked bread. This was something neither the man nor his son had tasted in months. His mouth began to sweat, and his body felt numb. Every day at noon, the baker would toss a bag of the previous day's bread. It was meant to be gathered by the village's pig farmers to feed their swine. Under strict orders, there was to be no taking of the bread by villagers. It was something very few ever dared to do, although it was well known many had. It was especially common in times such as these when the farmers were yielding such small quantities of wheat. During droughts, the punishments were even greater for taking the bread than for other crimes. The governing officials knew it would be a temptation for those in need. Precisely at noon, the back door of the bakery opened. Out flew a ragged sack with no fewer than six loaves of hard, stale bread. It must have been particularly stale, for when they hit the ground, it was almost as though the sack contained stones. The man stared at the bag for a moment. His mouth, once sweating, was now dry as a bone. His stomach was as tight as a fist. His blood throbbed in his head. His son's face flashed before his eyes. How would he explain to the boy where the bread had come from? 
He would never want his son to think of him as a thief. Better to have a son with a thief for a father than to be a father with a starving son. He justified his actions by negotiating with himself. Must feed Giovanni. The gods have been too sparing with their reins. Will it be one loaf or two? Will it be the whole bag? Never! That would be gluttonous. I won't even consider such a thing. Okay, then. How many? What are the total contents? He looked around. No one was in the alley. He opened the bag just enough to see inside. He counted. One, two, three, four, five. Looks like there are five lumps. I'll assume that's the total contents. Okay. Two should do it. This leaves a greater share to the swine. Surely you're doing no harm if your goal is to feed your starving son and in the effort ensure the pigs eat better than he. Okay, I agree. With that, the man slowly scanned from east to west. He could see the back of the baker's head through the small window of the door. He could hear all the voices of other villagers on the other side of the building. He inched closer to the bag, looking in all directions as he made his way closer. May God and my son forgive me, he said as he slipped his hand in and gently grasped one of the loaves as if holding the head of a small infant. He pulled it out and his eyes became large. His heart was now racing as though he had just completed a foot race. His ears rang. Sweat formed on his forehead. He felt faint. Nerves, guilt, and disappointment all battled for position within the man. He slowly slipped the loaf under his coat. By this time, the thought of the taste of bread, the relief to his son's hunger, and the relief of his own hunger had almost put him in a euphoric state. He lost all sense of himself. Wait, he exclaimed to himself. What am I doing? This is impossible. This defies all I am as a man of honor. Everything I've ever taught and instilled in my son will be for nothing. I cannot do this. You stupid fool. How could you be so weak? What would your father think of you now? The man dropped his head. He had never been so consumed with guilt, anger, defeat, and utter confusion in all his life. I must believe there is a greater purpose in all this. These trials and circumstances cannot be so grave only to be able to prove I am ultimately a thief. The result of this lesson cannot be to confirm if faced with enough torture I will be abandoning all that I know to be right. No. There is more to this than that. I will not do it. Let the swine have their bread. I am a man. I am a man of honor. Keep your bread, swine. I am not a pig. He then lifted the bag and gently placed the loaf back into the sack. Then, shrieking from one of the other buildings, he heard her cry, Thief! For a moment he looked around to see where the thief might be. It wasn't until the voice shrilled a second time, Bread thief! He realized the voice was describing him. He immediately dropped the loaf and stood in a state of shock. His body became as cold as ice all over. Blood rushed from his head. His elk skin moccasins felt as though they were made of stone. As the boy stood admiring a horse that obviously belonged to a village official, a man in a purple cloak came running with a determined look on his face. He mounted the horse at once and charged toward the bakery. 
Suddenly, there were villagers pouring from every direction toward the bakery. They all seemed to be making their way around the back of the building. The boy knew his father was in the bakery and rushed over to see what was happening. He navigated his way through the crowd and found his father being held by the official and the baker yelling at his father. The boy saw the sack of loaves beneath his feet. Father! The boy shouted. What has happened? Get your hands off my father, you fat, cake-eating sloth! At once, the man's eyes met his son's. Giovanni, I'm so sorry. Please, forgive me, my son. Then a pain shot through his left arm. He thought the baker or the official had struck a blow to his back. The pain was excruciating and his breath became short. His legs fell out from under him. The boy rushed to him. As the boy leaned over his father with tears streaming, he said, Father, get up! Please, father, get up at once! With shortness of breath and his voice strained from the pain in his back, chest, and arm, the man looked at the boy, placed his right hand upon the boy's cheek, and said, My son, let your actions forever bear witness to all I've taught you. He then took his index finger and tapped the boy's temple gently, and with a hushed whisper said, Freedom lies within. With that, the father drew his last breath.